we are back with the first ever breakdown of probably the most hyped show in a while. I can't think of what was the most hype other than The Last of Us here, but uh, this is probably the biggest thing HBO's put out besides uh, House of the Dragon. So let's just jump right in. Yeah, I was super excited for that. I don't know a show really maybe since Game of Thrones. And that would have been like season five, not even the first season. Um, yeah. that I was this excited for, and that's just because mainly I'm a big fan of the game, um, of the same title. So I was really stoked. I was really stoked for it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like over the last couple of weeks, you've been just getting more and more hyped for this show to release, which yeah. for me, I was like, I don't know, with Halo releasing in the horrible state Halo had released in and just a few other adaptations. I'm just like, I don't know if I want to believe it. I gotta want to believe it's gonna be good <laughs> and get light down. <laughs> I know. I was trying to manage expectations, but uh, I got to the point where I'm like, "Fuck, I'm just, <laughs> I can't help it." But, yeah, I feel that. Yeah. So let's. I think the best place to start is without spoilers or too many heavy spoilers. What What are we like? Just thoughts that bubble to the surface. I mean, obviously, we can't really talk about like thematic things too heavy yet, but we can kind of touch on what we thought about the show, at least how it opened, just, you know, taking context that it's a pilot, does it set up the things that we expect to set up in a pilot to grab your attention? Yeah, right? I thought it did a great job. <clears throat> I think that um, they did a good job in the beginning establishing um, who the characters were, what, kind of giving you a hook. Like that, that first handful of minutes right up until everything changes, right? I thought they, they did a good job building that. I thought it looked good. Um, they have, they, I, I appreciated some of the real subtle things. The old woman who's infected in the background, her just twitching and doing weird shit. But they yeah, also like, 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 does not even oh, focus too. It was really like, cool. She, the fact that she's out of focus is nice. It's, it's like she's just in the background having a moment and you're kind of like oh that's unnerving and you know kind of what's coming and i imagine the most people who know what this show is that are watching the show are aware of the context but there's a lot of little subtle things with the camera work that i thought they did really well with i thought it was really fun that they really focused on joel's daughter for the beginning of of the the show probably what like maybe the first half hour, I would say, maybe 20 yeah. minutes or so, yeah. was focusing on her. And for us who have played the game, we know how this ends. More, like, and we just, it's more of like an anticipation of like, oh no, how are we going to get to the end? Or at least the the uh, first big incident, and I'm not trying to not to spoil it in the first three minutes of the show, <laughs> of the recording here, but um, I thought they did a really good job of like giving you the ability to care about this character uh or at least understanding what it's like for her to live and what like who is joel as a as a dad because of the juxtaposition that come will come later in the show was that how you played the game and the game is the first bit you playing as a girl yeah okay yep i don't know if it's the whole so let me jump back a little bit. I, I loved the beginning um, and particularly how they did that scene with Sarah, I think her name is. Um, I just loved it because it, you know, kind of, it's centered on her 
Um, and what I appreciated is in the game, it almost, obviously there's liberties there, but it almost plays like how the game starts. There's a lot of things that's like, oh, this is exactly what you do in the beginning. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Cause I'm like, oh, I know this, I know what's happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but especially I liked how I, I really liked the intro, like that, that cold open with the talk yeah. show back in, I think it was the sixties yeah. or something. Yeah. sixty eight. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was really interesting um, because I don't I don't remember I don't think they do that in the game, but you kind of just learn as you play kind of what caused everything, and this way it kind of just gets it right in the open. It's like kind of lighthearted at first; they're making jokes, and then it ends on that like ominous note, and then like brings you right to you know the the start of the shit hits the fan. So yeah, I appreciated that. I think it's an interesting take. I, you know. At the surface level, you could say this is going to be a post-apocalyptic zombie show, and we'll get into this later. Um, but I think with the cult open, I think they tried to juxtapose this in a different way instead of just being like, oh, it's an invisible disease, and it's like people just start eating zombies. I think they tried to ground this in like a reality of like, well, what if it gets warmer? What if it, you know, that makes it so these fungus can um, evolve and have a new host that is a human it just makes it more plausible, I think, for this, like, the world that will become, you know, the foreshadowing, I guess. Um, and since we don't really see this in this first episode, I don't really want to linger on it too long, but we'll get into this in future episodes once we see more of the infected. Yeah, what, um, I forgot which one of you said it, but about Sarah, you know, making it seem like she's the protagonist, you know. Um, it was just it was subtle. It wasn't, like, in your face. It kind of just set it up, told the story, and then you know, um, things kind of turn on their head at a certain point. Um, Very fast. <laughs> yeah. But I liked how all the characters were distinct. They're all likable. Um, I feel like Joel just seems like like a cool dad. You know what I mean? Like, you know, got along with his daughter. Just seems like a cool dude. And then you have uh, Uncle Tommy, who seems like the kind of like the village idiot or something. Yeah. <laughs> like Troublemaker. In... Always yeah, gets, gets himself in trouble. <laughs> gets thrown in jail on his brother's birthday. It's like, bro, come, <laughs> come on. Um, but yeah, I don't even I mean... know. Was that in the, uh, in the game? I don't really remember Tommy playing a role until later on. I mean, like it's been so many years. I need to yeah. replay it now to refresh yeah. my memory. <laughs> he was, uh, he was in the beginning. I don't know if it was for the same reason. Well, I okay. don't like, so he and Joel are doing something. So like, it's the same thing. Joel isn't there and then comes back later. Um, it might've changed a little bit. I don't remember that. Um, but that is another thing. This made me really want to go play the game again. Mm. Yeah. So might be doing that. I need a PS5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You definitely have to get one. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's a zombie game, right? So it has its parts where it's like, you got to, kind of put the controller down for a second take <laughs> take a minute um it's very but, gritty right like it's yeah. it's like this it's not over the top where you're going to be like sci-fi where you can have superpowers and stuff it's more of like you're it's the end of the world and you're just trying to survive yeah so like things are scarce you kind of have to like use what you can find as weapons and stuff um but the best part about the game for me is the story and like these thematic elements that it seems like they're bringing into the show already um and why i think 
it'll bode well moving forward because those themes that you know they bring up um it's hard to say because we're not trying to spoil it, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the things that I think at this point we're 10 minutes in, we almost 10 minutes in, we should, we could probably just get to the, the inciting incident here that kind of sets up the, the future for Joel. Um, and then, so we can get into the, some of the themes and elements that are, I mean, I, I would assume the majority of people watching the show have watched, uh, have probably Googled something about the game and kind of have an idea of what happens. If these are meant to be deep dives, then we're spoiling it period and there's, there's <laughs> yeah no... we're, go we're going to spoil it but i just wanted to give it like just top you know emotional hip high points what we thought of just with without yeah. spoiling it from the the, from the, from the jump. <laughs> as far you. as the so moving to spoiler territory as yeah. far as the entire intro scene right up until his daughter dies i think i like basically everything the beginning part right before things start really to kick off and get a little weird we're sort of just daily family life. There are parts there that I was sort of half convinced about. It didn't really matter because the moment that things started to pick up speed a little bit and the way that they filmed the whole, uh, like everything falling apart sequence, the latter half of that for like 30 minutes or whatever was spectacular. Um, you could tell that they referenced the game. I remember, I remember a couple of shots, like them driving and trying to figure out where they're going to go and seeing a sign that tells you you can go this way or this way. They're like, well, we're not going to Austin, so we're going this way. And they <laughs> directly from the game. So there's like an appreciation for the cinematography that was in the original content. And then, and then the, like the girl's acting, I was like, okay, she's doing all right. I almost thought she was supposed to be younger. She was in the game. She was like maybe eight or nine in the game, but I think they aged her up because uh, showing a child die in a in a TV show is probably not. Oh, yeah, it's a little rough. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they probably aged her up to being teenage for that reason, so they could make it more palatable for yeah. for legal yeah. reasons. I imagine you need <laughs> a really good actress too, and child actors and actresses are just not that great. Having someone a little bit older with a little more experience to nail something that matters, that has to be done well for the rest of the show to work, um, is important. And um, with all that being said, I think that her dying scene, she did spectacular. I was like, ah, I believe it. <laughs> I was like, this yeah. hurts. Ow. It was brutal. But yeah. I couldn't believe it, but I'm like, this is HBO after all, so of course they're not going to pull any punches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I almost expected them to like, have the gunshots go, screen goes black, and then yeah. 20 years later, and then she's just not there. <laughs> like, I thought that's how they were going to do it. That's what I was um, thinking they were going to do, because I feel like that's what most shows would do, right? Like, you see yeah. the gunfire, then Joel may be crying, but never showing her body or anything like that, but they did yeah. not do that. <laughs> and they stay there for a minute or two, so, like, you're in it with them. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, I mean, granted, you know, most of us know that happens already, so you're, like, expecting it. Yeah. Um, I'm jealous of the people who don't. Just to be like, oh, like, um, I was watching with Alex and she was like, oh my God, I thought she was going to be the main character. And I'm like, ah, oh, so they did do it well. <laughs> you know, oh, like that's they, awesome, dude. You're going to have her as like the audience surrogate to be able to like see how she responds to different things and, and just be able to have that like unfiltered reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't have to be careful not to like say anything like, oh, yeah. watch, watch this, you know, but <laughs> <Something laughs> like you that. start tensing up and you're like, <laughs> right. Right. All I kept saying was, I'm like, oh, this is good. This is good. <laughs> That's like all I could say. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I appreciated the acting. I, you know, I guess on the first watch, I try not to harp too much because for me personally and shows as a whole, I feel like I usually, it takes me a couple episodes to get used to the acting. I don't know why that is. I, I haven't figured out what exactly that is, but it usually takes me to like maybe midway through the first season. Then I'm like, okay, I don't know if it's because the actors get into the role more or if it just, I get used to it, whatever, you know what I mean? I don't know exactly what that yeah. is, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, fair. I enjoyed it, especially in the first portion. I was like, this is just phenomenal. Yeah. I, I think you texted me too, right? As the, the first act finished and it got into the story. You texted me like right when I finished. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I couldn't I couldn't help it. I was like, dude, this is I'm like, I need to tell somebody this is fire. <laughs> Cause like, I mean, me and you have uh, Jordan have done this before where we've just talked about video games and adaptations and storytelling about this stuff and wanting to see it done well. Um, just as I mean, selfishly as a fan, to be able to bring these kinds of stories, not just from a game, but translating them to the screen because I mean I think honestly, like Naughty Dog, who is the publisher of, um, or the studio who is behind Last of Us, really does basically interactive movies. <laughs> it yeah. Is really the kind of stories they tell. So to see this, at least as far as we've gotten so far, is just like I think it's really true to the essence of what the show stands for. And I think as we get into this, the time skip part where it's twenty years later which I don't think it's as much in because the game came out in like 2014 or something like that initially, but they just basically said 20 years later, call it 2023, um, set it in now, which is whatever. It's not a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that opening scene in the second act when, you know, the 20 years later, when, you know, the little boy kind of stumbles into the city and they take him. And that whole time I'm like, mm. <laughs> I'm like, mm. don't get attached to him either. But, uh, you know, he, he walks up and he just, I, I loved how they did that scene and where they're like still people and they're trying to maintain their humanity, you know, and they have their little, um, sensor or whatever, um, that can tell if someone's infected or not. Um, and it's like this lady's being nice to him, like, oh, we're going to give you toys and blah, blah, blah. And this kid who was born cause he was probably what, seven or something, give or take. Um, so he was born in the midst of this uh apocalypse or whatever you want to call it um and so he doesn't know he probably kindness to him is probably foreign right maybe i'm going too deep into this one part but <laughs> like kindness to him is foreign and it's like okay the humanity's still there but then they're about to kill this kid because he's infected he's already gone um and i was just like okay they really showed you this is what they're dealing with they have to make hard decisions where you know, they're burning all the bodies. And I, I think it was Tess or Joel's friend. It's like, I can't, I can't do it. You know? So it's like some of them haven't completely lost their humanity. Um, but then you see Joel, he can do it. He can't take this kid's body and throw it into the fire. So yeah. it's showing that he either has or is losing his because of what he went through at the beginning. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's insightful. I think that that's exactly what they were depicting it was, and they did it such a good job because and multiple levels with that whole sequence because the kid comes up and you get a feeling that this is he's either infected like i was waiting for him to like you're watching him from the left his left i'm like waiting for him to like turn his head and like it's all infected or something at once no it's not that's not what happens and then he gets in there and 
they introduce the machine that reads, right? Whether or not you're infected. And I love that at no point, I loved that the director didn't treat us like idiots. Yeah. And at no point did they say, he's infected. See, <laughs> this thing points red. That means he's bad. We have to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, it was just the subtlest of gestures. The guy does the little thing and then just shows it and then walks and she notices. Yeah. And then she immediately starts being very kind to the boy. And then it was like, oh, fuck, he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, it was like the most humane thing. Like that felt really real to me, right? Like if you were uh, like a guard in this situation in the end of the world and like this is what your job was to screen people, like you just would be able to adopt that like bedside matter no matter who it was within seconds because how else are you going to like, like break down? Like it's just really, really, really heavy. Yeah. Um, and they tried, I think they treated it very like honest in this situation. And I think making him like seven, like ramped up the emotional volume, made it feel like this is very serious and it doesn't matter if you're seven or if you're a grown man or whatever, we, we, we can't take chances, period. Yeah. And then with Joel getting rid of the body, burning the body, it, the thing was to, he didn't treat it with um like reverence there was no you know putting the body down and like having a moment of silence or any of that it was very much like he was shrugging off trash like he was just like dump done and like the way that um i forget the actor's name uh, pedro pascal yeah. the way that he played it i was like perfect yeah it was really perfect. well done and I think aging him up too, like the way they, you, like you get to see the difference in his demeanor and um, like when you see him turn to the camera for the first time after the time skip, really, it really shows like how much he's, the the impression I got was like this survivor mentality, especially with the scene after that, where he, where he goes and gets, I believe it's like the payout for the day, which is just ration cards from like that guard. And then he asks for like, is there anything that pays more? And he just gets like some even worse, like sewage duty thing. But then he goes and talks to another guard um where it's effectively like a drug deal and he you, you realize that he's not he's not really given up if it, though but he's like still trying to like make ends meet even if it could get him in a lot of trouble is the impression i got which i mean really matches with the character you you fall into in the game but i think they they did this in a more subtle way than the way the game can handle it because obviously they want to give a player control of a character faster but in a TV show, that's not necessary or wanted, right. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. It could come off weird. And, um, that is something that it's like, how, how far do you differ from a game to television or film or whatever? Um, and so far I think they're doing it perfectly. They're like right in the middle where it's like, oh, this is so familiar to if you played the game, but it's not relying on the game. But if you played it, you'll get that extra level. Like, oh, I remember this. This is familiar. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so definitely. Um, and, you know, playing, <laughs> they, what is it? He said something like, uh, the guy was like, there's two jobs. Something was like sewage and something else. And Joel was like, which one pays more? He's like, probably <laughs> the one with shit involved. <laughs> and so, you know what I mean? And so, of course, yeah. it's like, well, if you are in that kind of situation, do you care anymore? Do you just want to get paid more? Um, 
you know, you're especially cash is ration cards, right? Like it's not like money. We're talking about whether or not you get to eat. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's just the situation's so dire. And I, I'm grateful they don't really spend a lot of time articulating that. It's like they establish it real quick and then it's like, okay, now here's what's going on. Here's the world they're in. Here's what Joel's trying to do. Um, which he straight from there pretty much goes to this kind of sketchy dude, <laughs> sketchy kind of guard. He just looks sketchy to me. I'm like, this guy just looks like he's fucking. <laughs> he looks like a weasel. <laughs> You're right. He's just a weasely dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's great casting. <laughs> right. um, but he's, uh, I think Joel's trying to get a battery, right? A car battery. It um, sounds like, yeah, it sounds like he's trying to get like, a car to be able to leave. And yeah. like a, they need batteries, obviously, for the cars because without a battery, the car doesn't do. Like, I'm assuming there's no gasoline really available anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah um but it's like he's not just sitting around you know he's not just doing nothing he he's still uh to me it seemed like he's resourceful and it seemed like he's almost distracting himself i might have been reading too much into that it's just the pilot so we'll see where it goes but to me i got the sense it was like is he just kind of going through the motions because he lost his purpose which was his daughter you know um that's just what i got from that i was like i wonder if he even cares, really, you know. Hmm, that's interesting. I, I mean, I think, I think he does still have, you know, some soul left, right? Because right after the scene with the talking to the guard, he talks to like that radio host guy, or I don't actually know what he was, but there's like a huge line of people. Like he's like the, I don't even know if it's a kingpin, but people ask favors from him, um, and he gives this guy cigarettes to get information, meaning, um his brother is missing his brother was i think out in like wyoming or something which just seems crazy to me that you know people are still traveling the united states when everything's locked down um but tommy's just gone and like hasn't checked in or like reached out or which is unheard of as far as you can tell um and so because of this joel is immediately like okay well how do i get out there um and and it really i think it really cuts through but also it's like you should it shows how broken he is during the scene just after that because he's like looking at the map trying to like map out his his way to get there and it's every time like it goes a little bit and then he cuts to taking a shot of like whiskey and then it goes a little bit to another shot goes a little bit another shot and then he basically passes out in his bed after five shots or something like that you know yeah guys like a bunch mm. of pills I was oh like, i forgot Gee, about the pills <laughs> yeah you're right i forgot about that so I don't know. I think I think they're doing a good job of setting up that like broken or like numbing the pain of losing someone he cared about. Yeah, that that seems like a better way to describe that. That it's not he doesn't care about anything, right? So I think I was wrong there. But it's he's broken and he doesn't want to feel anything, but he still cares. He's still who he is, you know, which established he seems like a good person. Um but it's easier at this point to not really be a hundred percent there, you know? Um, so yeah. So just, yeah. It's a coping mechanism. He's numbing himself to the whole thing, which makes sense. It looks like <laughs> if I can hop into a psychological frame of mind for a moment, but <laughs> it's like what people do is like, imagine there's a bunch of information that you have to process in the world. And that's all coming at you and you are able to interpret that at some rate, 
right? So you can make sense of it. You have an information processing rate, basically. But one of the things that makes it easier to take on that load of information is you organize what you know. And so you start to organize the world. And when I come into my apartment, because I've mapped the whole thing out, I've already processed and created a model in my head of what my apartment's meant to look like. When I come in here, I don't have to process any of it. It's already been done. Right. So what could be novelty if I take like mushrooms or something and it's something I notice all the details I never noticed before is entirely lost on me because I just replaced my really my experience with my apartment with the model of my apartment in my head. But one of the things that trauma does is actually breaks your model of reality. Hmm. And so that that's that model that you would have that would alleviate you from all of the information processing that you would have to do um, isn't there. And so now you have to, um, in some sense, reprocess everything um, with a limp. You have, to, you have to try to do this with a broken system. And that can be overwhelming because you're getting too much information. And so one of the ways to mitigate that feeling of being overwhelmed is with whiskey and pills. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> seems spot on to me. Yeah. And I think this is the point where it, things kind of shift to being more new, new content that's not in the game. Um, with the, the introduction of a new character in the form of, I believe her name is Tess, you said, right, Jordan? Yes, um, I believe so. Yeah. And this is, I think this is where it kind of positions the, the, the show in a different way or, or kind of broadens the scope, right? Instead of just being like, oh, this is a end of the world zombies versus humans story and kind of like ratchets, ratchets up the complexity of the all the players at stake or all the groups that are vying for, a, you know, a place in the world or in this new world. Um, and you see this person, Tess, who is basically tied to a chair and it's, it, sounds, it seems like a deal is going wrong. I, I was kind of, I didn't really catch exactly what got her in this situation, mm -hmm. but basically she got beat up by these, I mean, basically gang guys um i don't remember any of these characters existing at all or this kind of interaction really existing to to like set up the group the fireflies or at least were they even fireflies now that i'm thinking about it i don't, I don't think, think they, they were. were yeah okay they probably did work with them but yeah yeah because they were the guys that ended up selling trying to sell the battery to the fireflies that's yeah. what it was and of course that didn't work out but we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I thought this was it was a really interesting scene to introduce this new character, and I think they did it really well. I think um, for everything they've showed for, for Tess and her character and like what she does for Joel, I think it really like adds to the story. I think it makes sense. Yeah, and she's kind of a badass, huh? Yeah, like I would say so. She seems resourceful at least. Like she, like it, in some sense, her personality matches Joel. But I don't really have a good feel for exactly what kind of person she is. Like, like good, bad, or otherwise. But yeah, seems uh, on the same page. Right. And we'll get to know her more for sure. Um, I was, uh, well, I will say I really liked how they kind of interrupted that scene. Because um, as it was going on, the second I started thinking like, okay, can we not linger here? I want to get back to Joel or whatever. You know, I was like, don't linger here too long. Literally the second that thought came up room exploded and i was like oh yeah. shit, okay i was like all right. thank you yeah i was like they heard like me. right when you thought it was gonna get boring you're like oh it didn't do that wow <laughs> right um 
I just I was nervous for an exposition dump. Mm -hmm. uh, just like I, not that it was doing that, but I'm like, don't stay too long because it might start. Um, you know, and then seeing, you know, they they introduce that the conflict with the fireflies and Fedra, I think really well, and that it's almost like Fedra does not give a fuck. Like if you're in if you're in you know the line of fire and they confuse you to be the fireflies they're not gonna they shoot first ask questions later you know um due process is no longer instated <laughs> right and it's like the the people who are in place to like protect you also kind of don't give a shit like you know what i mean like, oh okay well we can't take any risks so oh well yeah um and i don't know if this was by design but um it seemed like you know as she's she's trapped right before this she had just gotten beaten up she seemed really calm but then when she's outside and you know the bullets are flying and stuff that i was like oh she seems scared here to what to me seemed like the first time that she was like fuck i might actually die by the people who are supposed to you know uphold law and order you know and i was like that's interesting you can't really trust anyone or anything and right there i was like they're highlighting that it's you're already seeing that it's like are the fireflies the bad guys if the people yeah. who are supposed to be the good people will end your life that easily um so I like that. I really enjoyed kind of that scene. And um, the scene following, I was a little confused. If you guys can highlight this, maybe. Um, she gets in bed with Joel. Um, you remember that? It's like she he's sleeping yeah. and she like crawls I, behind I him. I thought it was like, a, like Joel was having a dream at first. Because then Joel wakes up and then she's like standing in the kitchen making something or, or like with the sink on. I forget exactly what the situation was, but... To me, I thought it was like Joel, like half remembering it, or like, but I don't that know. Yeah, my impression, my impression was that she just came back, beat the fuck up, and got into bed. Okay, and then woke yeah. up before Joel did because he took a bunch of pills and shit. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, just, I think Joe's explanation is probably the most accurate here. <laughs> that's yeah, that's what I that's what I thought too. Um, but I just was like, oh, are they romantically involved? And yeah, I was like, that's what I was wondering too. Yeah, and that was a question. It doesn't really go back to that at all. Um, so I'm yeah. curious what their actual dynamic is. Um, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah. They yeah. don't seem, if they're involved, they don't seem intimately involved. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Like, yeah. I don't think that, my impression is not that Joel is the kind of guy to, you know, uh, open himself up in the, arms of a woman right now it's, it's it seems more like uh, they're just both living in the same apartment and maybe they have sex occasionally but this seems more like kind of a, a, a working relationship <laughs> yeah okay yeah i i definitely agree with that one it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of uh romance going on in yeah, anybody's life see, <laughs> yeah. i don't see a lot of intimacy i see a lot of uh strong walls built by both of them and just an appreciation, I guess, for a warm bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and I think now it's the introduction of Ellie is is basically the next scene. Um, who, I guess, that was a spoiler for some people because <laughs> she doesn't say her real name in the first scene. I thought they introduced her really well, um, more so than they did in the video game because it. I feel like it was just kind of like. Here's the here's the package for Joel, and then it's like, huh? And you're just like, it doesn't make sense to you why now all of a sudden you're 
shepherding a little girl across the wasteland of America. But in this situation, I think they set it up really well to introduce the leader of the Fireflies or a leader of the Fireflies, maybe not the leader. Um, what's her name? Marilyn or Mar Mary? Marlene, maybe? Marlene, I think. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Um, introducing her, introducing Ellie's character because she's full of it. Um, she has a lot of energy and really no, like commands it. this commands the screen when she's on it. I think she she nails the essence of the character, at least from what I remember in the game. Um, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, the girl. Well, a couple of things. I imagine that in the game, they drew out the character development of Ellie, and so they didn't have to have a strong impact in the way that they do in a show. So she's just like personality right off the bat. Um, which I think landed, um, and I think in, well, additionally that the reason it landed is, I wouldn't say entirely, but largely up to the fact of, or largely up to the, the quality of acting from the girl. I forget. I don't remember that actress's name. I know she was in Game of Thrones, but she did spectacular. I was like, wow, well done, especially for that age. Yeah. It's uh, Bella Ramsey. Bella, Bella Ramsey. Ramsey. That's a dope name. Um, <laughs> That's thinking the same thing. I was right. like, that has a thing to it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I loved her introduction. And I was, um, I felt like Ellie was, you know, this is my point of view, but I, I was thinking Ellie might be the hardest character to write just because she's kind of really complex, um, which I, you know, we'll get to why she's complex in a minute but um kind of who she is and what she means to joel and becomes to mean to joel um but she's also abrasive and kind of like rough as fuck around the edges <laughs> you know what i mean and um i'm just like i hope they nail it because in the game she is a dope character like you fall in love with her you almost take on you're playing as joel in the game you almost take on that emotion for her as you're playing it um I think you feel like you, you become the spirit of Joel or like the soul of Joel throughout the story. Like you go on the same journey he does um, in basically reconnecting with the daughter you wish you had effectively. Um, and I guess maybe that's like foreshadowing the story way too much, but I, I just, that's part of why I love this, the game. And I'm really glad that it, what it seems like the building blocks, or at least the foundation of this show seems to be, be putting, being put down with how they're introducing these characters. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, um, you know, she, I like that they don't really say what's going on with her. You pick it up. Granted, again, if you know the games, you know what's happening already. Um, so Joe, for you, I'm curious if that, how that landed when it's like, they don't really say what's happening. They don't say why she's even there. Um, they don't say even why she's like even held captive at all yeah they don't tell you nothing really which i, I <laughs> yeah. personally like but yeah yeah i liked it i mean i knew already because i know what the story of the first game was so to some degree i was just like yeah because she can't she's like can't be bitten by she get turned she's immune um but i i did like that they didn't tell you i don't need to know that i don't need to know that even really i'm almost disappointed that they told us at the end of the episode like to some degree I wish we could have just waited and just left that hanging for a while. Like let her get bitten and then all of a sudden she's not turning after and a certain amount of time. That'd be cool. I don't need to know why why this package is here. It's important. Yeah. 
that's tight. Cool. Let's figure it out. And I, and I, I almost like, I'm, I'm happy at, the, at least that Joel and them didn't know until the end of the thing, because it's a job and they don't need to fucking know, right? Just from a business standpoint. So you should play it almost that way. And mm-hmm. then let these boundaries between business and personal be dissolved as the story goes on, you know? Yeah. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. I like how they, which I know we're skipping a little bit, but I like how they revealed it. Um, we can get to it in a second, but I like the way that they've revealed it, but I do agree that it's like, maybe we, it, that could have been like, even a, would have been cool to draw that out to like the mid season. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just to see how that dynamic would play out where Joe's like, you know, the surprise of like not telling anyone, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was still dope. So yeah, I'm still happy with it that they, I liked the way that they also, um, came across Ellie and made the deal and everything. That whole scene first coming into like going into the sewer and you see the guy that's like splatted against the wall and he's all opened up and like turning into a fungus. Yeah, that was crazy. Nailed it. Very creepy. Big fan. And then they walk. I liked, I really liked the door. I thought that was such a clever little writing tool, like where she's pushing on the door. She goes, what the fuck? Is there a piano in front of this? And then there's just blood dripping on the side and you're like, oh, there's a body in front of it. And then sure enough, then there's a bunch of bodies and you're like, what are we walking into? (laughs) (laughs) The hell just happened. It was like, I was waiting for a parasite or whatever. That's that's what I was thinking too. Jump out at me. And I got so I liked that I got a left hook it from a different, you know, like from that, instead of a, a jump scare, I got something like, oh, well, this is not where I thought this was going to go. Like everything is always a little mm-hmm. like, okay, we're not sure what's going to happen. And so I liked that whole piece. And then the conversation between the actual negotiation, I liked a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that that worked really well. It was. I found out that the the actress that plays Marlene played her in the game. Yeah. Which they is brought, she did. Yeah, they brought it up at the end of the episode. If you listened, like, the last, like, 20, not even 20, maybe it's like 10 minutes at the end of the episode, there's, like, basically special features of, like, interviews with the actors or, like, what the writers and directors wanted to get out of that episode. And the actress who, or the voice actress who did Marlene, She's like, as soon as I heard about they were doing the show, she's like, I wanted to play her. But he's like, at the time, I didn't look like anything like her. Um, and she's like, I grew into this role, and I'm really excited that I get to, like, be the character again. Wow, that's dope. Yeah, it's, it's really I special to see that. Yeah, <laughs> wow. That's dope. But yeah, I mean, their their interaction. I just, I really appreciate, so this, um, I forget the name of the writer, but he worked on uh, Chernobyl. I should know his name. I can't remember. It is. Hold on. I have it. Yeah. This episode was co-written by uh, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann. Craig Mazin. Yeah. So he, I believe he worked on Chernobyl. And we've all watched that, right? The writing on that is spectacular. It's one of the best written shows I can think of in, I don't know how long. Um, But they do the whole time. They do such a great job of like, because these characters all know each other. You know, even the scene with Ellie when Marlene walks in and they're, 
uh, doing that test where it's like count to 10 or something. And you could tell it's like this the is the, this is the second this scene with uh, Ellie, right? Not the first. Uh, this is the second this, time, I think. This might be the first when when they introduce Ellie. Okay. And they like because sure. I know there's two scenes where they have Ellie and Marlene. Yeah, there's two scenes, but in the first one, uh, Marlene's like count to ten. Yeah. And then she's like one, two, three, four, five, and she's like slowly. <laughs> you know, it's like the routine <laughs> of it. She knows. You know, you can right there. They don't have to say. So we've had you here for two weeks. You know, nothing's <laughs> changed. Like they don't tell you that. They just like they know each other. They know where they've been, and they put the audience in that mindset too. So you figure it out as you just listen to them speak to each other. So when uh, Joel and Tess, you know, finally catch up in that hallway scene we're talking about with Marlene, and then they, you know, Joel finally meets Ellie because she comes out of room, tries to stab him with this, uh, like a switchblade or something. Um, they, you know, the way Joel and Marlene are talking to each other, you know, he's just like, oh, where's Tommy, blah, blah, blah. What's your fault? He's out there. And it just, oh, okay. So, oh, Tommy must have went to be a firefly. You know, you just put that together just by listening to this conversation. Um, and I really appreciate how they do that the entire episode. They don't, like Joe, how you said earlier, they don't treat us like we're stupid. Like, just listen, you'll figure it out. You know, you'll figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I also like that they're not like trying to just paint this picture as like Fedra equals good or Fireflies equals good or bad or whatever. It's like, these are just people who have very different like ideas about what it means to survive in this world. And people have, you know, opinions about what those people mean. You know, it seems like the Fireflies are being called terrorists. Even Ellie says that when in the second conversation with Marlene, right before they, they give her to Joel. Um, and then she's like, well, I forget the guy's name that she says, but isn't, she's like, isn't so-and-so a, a terrorist? And then her face falls and she's like, oh, like, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be painting this group of people with such a broad brush because it like clearly hurt her to consider that person as a terrorist, um, which I thought was really smart to do. Um, it also shows that Ellie is still a person, even though she lives, she's like grew up in this horrible world where you have to grow up way too fast. Um, and, it, and it's also just kind of a touching moment between Marlene and Ellie. Like, it's like it almost felt like Marlene still cares about this person, even though like, like she knows what she's sending her to. And I'm just going to leave it at that because that's foreshadowing hard as hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, for sure. But yeah, like, and that's why I was saying Ellie's character is so complex because she's, you know, rough around the edges, but it seems like she does really, she cares for people. Um, you know, and again, it's, it's hard to talk. So from the vantage point of just watching the pilot, because again, we know the story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm curious if I would have pulled on that, if I didn't know this already or, you know, uh, be right. predisposed, but yeah, I mean, I think they do a good job of showing that. Cause when she mentions Riley, um, Marlene mentions Riley, that's when Ellie, like her whole demeanor, like she softens, you know, and it's like, oh, she has a. She has a heart, probably a really big one. Um, yeah, I mean, that was great. I liked the ending with the guard. I think, I think there was the one time in the episode that I felt talked down to was the like half a second flashback to the soldier mm -hmm. shooting his daughter in that scene. I was like, you don't need to tell me. I know exactly what's happening yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he's now going to project all of his hatred that he has for the guy that killed his daughter 
and onto that dude, and he's going to take it out on him. <laughs> it's like, yeah. so I didn't need that. I didn't need a flashback. I saw the connection. It was only 40 minutes ago. <laughs> but, but with that being said, the, the tension worked, like, because they kind of needed a excuse to get on the fucking move a little bit. Like, it felt like having that encounter and then conflict and the way that the conflict was resolved with him killing the guy, I presume, or at least being the shit out of him and then taking the gun made it like they were burning their bridge behind him. And it feels as if at the end of the episode, they're about to be chased. So there's something pushing us, the audience with them forward. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. I was curious if you guys could pick up on it, but the song that started playing on the radio at the very end there, uh, as it was fading out with the rain and they're walking toward like the crumbled buildings, I, I couldn't pick up on what the symbolism mean because when they brought Ellie back to Joel's place, she picks up like that book and there's like mm. a, a note card in there with like um, numbers and letters and stuff. And she's like, oh, you guys are communicating through the radio. And she's like, she like deciphered it really fast. I forget exactly what she said. Um, but I was, as soon as like Joel's going on this mission and then all of a sudden his radio lights up with a song and I was like, I'm like, damn, I'm like, what does that mean? Like, what does it represent? <laughs> so well, I, I, I think it's a song from the eighties. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's what it is. Maybe there's deeper, but I think eighties cause she was like eighties means trouble. But my guess it was something that Tommy, Tommy finally sent a message. That, that's what I was thinking, but I was like trying to like decipher what exactly the song represents. In is the radio a message with Tommy? That was what I picked up through the interaction with Ellie because Joel didn't say anything, but his reaction said everything. I don't know if it was, I think it was like anyone who was in a smuggling thing. Yeah. Um, because they show that they show one of the, uh, infected, like almost severely infected monsters at the end as they like scan over the city. It's like on the roof and like roars kind of. Oh, um, really? I didn't, so, even, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. So I took that as, cause Ellie, she's like 60s means this, 70s means this, 80s means, um, cause she was like, oh, you were sleeping, this song played. And then he's like, oh shit. And she's like, oh, okay. I know what 80s means. 80s means trouble. And he's like, okay, fuck off. Oh, and then, okay. So it's just by the, it's, so it's by the decade. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Okay. yeah what a, I'm going to be real. I felt like Joel in that moment. I was like, you little shit. Right. <laughs> right. It was hilarious. I loved it. I loved that part. Um, so smart too. I was like, damn, she's kind of smart as hell. Um, but yeah, I think so. I, what I took it as is like, oh, there's infected here. And so they're running probably to where the infected are. And there's going to be this whole them running from Fedra because all the shit that just went down, but running into the infected. That's what I think episode two is going to look like. But yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I thought that the the ending, if that was an 80s song, yeah, I don't know if that was who that was supposed to be that was sending him the radio signal, but I liked the fact that they go out into the unknown and then right then there actually is the 80s song. It's like, you picked a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> I also really just love the ominous, like even if you weren't picking up on the music, just the way they like zoom out the camera as they're like walking into the rainstorm and then you just get the lightning flashes and you see the decaying buildings that had like 
collapsed into each other and we're just kind of like being supported together. I'm like, oh, dude, this is, I'm like, this is exactly what I would love to, like, you normally don't get this kinds of like urban decay stuff in like post-apocalyptic stuff. They just say, well, like everything gets knocked over and it's just rumble. Like, but this, they actually really show you like, hey, some of this stuff is going to be like actively dangerous. Like if you're walking underneath these buildings, well, maybe you shouldn't for, for one thing. <laughs> You know, it's, I just think it's a cool, like, thing to explore, which is the, what happens when these giant skyscrapers no longer have continuous maintenance? What do they look like when they start decaying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the set design is beautiful. Like, In the worst possible whole. way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, really well done. Um, even, you know, I think we all got taken aback a little bit with the mushroom guy stuck against the wall it was a uh, sick it's disgusting but like <laughs> well done you know what i mean yeah. yeah i do i do want to say i really enjoyed how they did the zombies like the way the infected behaved in the very beginning mm. because i thought it was very different than how we've seen infected be portrayed in other things where there's more like that single-minded focus where they can still navigate the world whereas these infected really felt like they were being controlled by something that didn't care about the body it was inhabiting or like it just knew how to move the limbs but it didn't care about whether or not it ran into shit or like it just kind of felt feral i guess but feral in a sense that it just didn't matter what was in its way and if it stumbled or hurt itself or whatever it did as long as it got to you that was the important thing yeah, yeah. it felt to me like it didn't know how to drive yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a great Good way enough. to put it. <laughs> it was a, it was like kind of funny and it was in a scary sense, but it was just like, dude, luck, luckily this dude is clumsy as hell. Right. <laughs> it was like, but go home infected. You're drunk. And, like if they had any type of <laughs> if they had any type of coordination, they might have been fucked. <laughs> I feel like that's more realistic than like the mindless hordes of zombies that are like uber efficient in other zombie stuff that we've seen portrayed in other things that feels more likely i guess i don't and that's totally sci-fi and stuff but who's to say what's more likely but <laughs> i just like that it was different i almost wish like aesthetically speaking like jordan you mentioned that it's kind of a beautiful set design i think it is good it's very convincing like i'm in the world i don't feel like i'm sitting in a hollywood studio or anything i almost wish that they would do what annihilation did which is they made nature like way more beautiful, everything beautiful. It made nature this absolutely like lush living thing. And then you recognize, particularly in that movie, but you could recognize well here that that's, it's the constant cycle of life that's killing you. <laughs> it's like, it's like you, there's too much of nature. That's the problem in this case. And they do that really well in Annihilation. It's not like, it's, it's the, it's like you almost think of people, it's a very Rousseauian way of looking at nature as being kind of this pristine, Edenic, pure thing. It's all like baby deers, you know, prancing around and the, the evil, the, the only terrifying thing about nature is the hunter who shows up and kills Bambi's dad or mom or whatever, right? But in reality... It's like, no, <laughs> nature only looks like this safe and beautiful thing because we've subjugated it so well yeah. <laughs> that we, 
and we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> uh, and so we can go to a park in the middle, we can go to Central Park in the middle of a metropolis and be like, well, that was a nice walk through the, that was a nice walk through nature today. I'm going to go back to my, my skyscraper apartment. It's like, okay, you've contained this thing to such a degree that it's hardly even counts. And then, but what annihilation does is they just, they turn, they make the too muchness of nature very clear that it's like, oh my God, there's no order here. There's no safety. There's no anything. And that makes it incredibly beautiful. And then it's kind of free ranging and pure in that way, but it's also terrifying and then it can, you know, catch you in its vines and drag you under. But basically what I was saying is like in the game, I think they did some really like picturesque moments where you can see like how they heighten nature, like juxtaposed to the urban decay around it. Uh, you know, like trees growing up or like a park that's now overgrown and it's like beautiful in its own sense because you're like, wow, it's like when left to its own devices, look at what it looks like. But then the other half of the game is is you go into these like dark, like effectively they're crypts, but they're the subways or the like underbellies of these buildings that are crumbling. And this is where the fungus lives. This is where the infected live. And it's like, you know, the unknown, the tangle, like you were saying. And I'm really hoping they do this where in the game they talk about the spores and you have to wear the gas masks and stuff so you don't inhale these things to get infected. Um, and we'll see. I mean, th there's been that like two sick or the two minute trailer where you see one of the more later stages of the infected with his like face is all covered in the, the fungal growth. So you don't even see their eyes anymore. So I'm mm. assuming we'll get something like that, but th that's hope for the future to, to like ratchet up the, the, you know, the unknown and the fear of nature, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't want, I don't want gray apocalypse. I don't want post-nuclear war apocalypse where everything is glassed out yeah. and, and grayscale. I want nature's reclaimed everything. It's nature that's created this apocalypse. Now you have to contend with it in the raw. And I like, I'm hoping that they just turn up the saturation on the greens a little bit, <laughs> you know, a yeah. little too green. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I hope so. We'll, we'll see. I feel like they got a long journey ahead. So there's going to be a, a lot of different sets or, you know, designs that they got to go with. So, uh, I hope you're right. Annihilation is actually a really good comparison in terms of, uh, visual aesthetic. Yeah. Um, that was a beautiful, terrifying movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So I think we covered everything. Any any other thoughts or any other things that come to mind that we may have not touched on? Uh, we basically got through the whole episode and just added a few other strangling thoughts that are, are uh, straggler thoughts that we hadn't really touched on in our overview. But I think, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I mean, the show is well-deserved of the reviews it's gotten so far. Um, and I, I've seen some articles, this is just a tangential thing, but some articles of people highlighting the things that were different. And I think, honestly, the things that are different from the game are so minor and don't take anything away from the the essence of the show that I'm like, why are we even talking about it? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, just to touch on that, wouldn't it be boring if they did it exactly the way the game did it? Kind of. Wouldn't yeah. it be boring for the people who play it? Because like, oh, I've already seen this. Like, I can go play this and be in more control. Um, so I feel like it makes it more interesting when they're, you got to be surprised a little bit. Right? Yeah. Plus, I like the Easter egg hunt of being like, ooh, what did they change? And, like, does it work still? That's, like, that's like what I get excited about, of, like, oh, like, maybe they will twist things here and there, but, like, 
that's part of the fun is like, okay, do, if they did do it, does it work? And right. even I, honestly, right now, I can't think of anything that's not working for the show. No, I, I think there's a, there's a way to marry the two of like staying true to the, to the IP, the original content, but then making it different. And there's a, like a line in between that is like, if you follow it perfectly, you'll, you'll find like magic, right? Yeah. Um, if you go too far the same, it's like redundant. If you go too far different, you know, you might lose the themes or what made it special in the first place. So you have to like tread that line. And as of now, I think they did that perfectly, you know? So I have nothing but hope that it'll, it will continue to be that. I will say too, last final thought here is that it is interesting that Neil Druckmann who is the co-president of Naughty Dog, is taking such a um, direct presence in this this show because I don't think there's any other person that's involved with a video game company who's been so heavily involved with the product, pro- like with a project that they are adapting for screen, be it a movie or a TV show. Um, and I think having that guy who just gets the game or gets the story, not even just the game, but gets the story that they told, um, at such a high level and also having a stellar writer in the form of uh, Chris Metzen uh, <laughs> behind him, I think is, it, I think it shows just like keeping the story like focused as like, this is what we need to tell. I think you're, it's really interesting to me that Naughty Dog is so involved um, in part because of the fact, because of how CD Projekt Red was involved with cyberpunk and because of how who was it riot that did riot did arcane yeah right did arcane it's like i I was talking with some guys over the weekend about this i really think that a lot of the creativity has migrated into the gaming world and it's gotten to a place where the gaming companies these corporations are big enough that they can just make their own content like original content and if all the creatives are there and now they have the means to do it i think it's gonna compound especially given that a lot of what Hollywood is doing right now is just not that interesting. They might be outcompeted by a new generation of creatives. I mean, it might, they could be swallowed up. It could be that the Dollywood, as we think of it, it gets swallowed up by the gaming industry. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah, so Jordan, go, go be a writer for the gaming industry and see <laughs> on oh, the ground floor. I'm not writing enough. off. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just kudos to the team. I mean, honestly, like just being able to to do something like this, I think it shows just what it takes to make something like this, and uh, just excited to see what's what how this keeps to continues to unfold. Thank you all for listening to this breakdown of Last of Us episode one. I hope you all enjoyed this episode and took something away from it. And if you have any and all thoughts, we'd love to hear it what we missed, maybe we got wrong, whatever. I'm just really curious from anyone on that. Honestly, if you made it this far into the video, thank you for sticking through. I really appreciate it. But since you made it this far, please consider subscribing or liking the video. And you can also check out much more than just this video, either here on YouTube, or if you head over to the website at feedingcuriosity.net, you can find much more than podcasts and blogs and just any other things that we're finding on the internet or exploring in our lives. It is a treasure trove of knowledge for those curious enough to dig through it. Last but not least, if you care to support what we do here, it is a one-man band besides the people that I get on to talk with me. I do all of the work. So editing, recording, you name it, I do it. So 
it would be greatly appreciated if you would go to our Patreon. You can find a link in the description, or at the very least, you don't need to spend any money, but liking, subscribing, sharing with a friend helps us just as much. So with that, everyone, please enjoy the next video, or I hope to see you in the next video. And with that, have a great rest of your day, 